I do feel really ready to do this. This is as good a time as any. And so I feel like I've done a lot. I've been on a lot of adventures and I've seen and experienced so much. When I think about becoming a mom or I think about starting my family and being pregnant and all that, I'm like, this is the next adventure. This is the adventure I haven't done yet. And I'm really at peace with my transition into this is the next grand adventure for me. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. Hello, loves. I am sitting in front of the microphone by myself today. <sighs> All right. I haven't done this in a while. Um, it's just me and you today. And that's kind of exciting and no pressure. (laughs) Um, I don't have any notes around me and I have a general idea of what I'm going to talk with you about um, and share with you. And we'll just see how this goes and where this all leads me. So it's been a while since I've done some solo shows and admittedly, anytime I've considered doing a solo show, I've just kind of roped Jordan into sitting down with me so that I didn't have to do it by myself. But this time, I kind of wanted to tell this story and share this update with all of you solo. And I did ask Jordan's permission to share our baby boy's name with you all. And so he said, of course. And why I wanted to do this solo is because I'm going to tell you a little bit more of the story regarding how I more or less knew we were going to have a baby boy and tell you the story about how I essentially, he told me his name and it sounds so weird to say it and like some woo woo bullshit. And I knew that if we had this conversation between Jordan and I for the podcast, I would probably be talking the vast majority of the time. And so I just figured I would take this as an opportunity to share fully and share maybe even more of an expanded version of this story than I would if I were sitting with Jordan. So I'm going to share some stories that have to do with baby boy and this process and kind of more or less the spiritual components to prepping for pregnancy and and deciding that we were ready to start our family. And then I'm also going to share a little bit of an update with you, maybe towards the end of the episode regarding how I'm feeling and um, what I'm processing and going through up to the point of this recording. So today is a Friday. Tomorrow is a Saturday. Tomorrow I turn 19 weeks. So it has been a roller coaster, which I think most people experience pregnancy and parenthood and all of it um, as a roller coaster. And so I've got some updates compared to, you know, when um, I was sharing just, you know, some of the cliff notes of first trimester with all of you in a previous episode. So to get started, I have always been pretty good with kids. I babysat a lot when I was a kid or I babysat a lot when I was a teenager. I, you know, my family kind of jokes with me and says, you know, the many jobs of Alexa, because I had a lot of jobs <laughs> through the end of high school and all through college. And some of the first ones that I could get paid for, you know, before being of age to actually work um, and get paid cash under the table was babysitting. 
And I babysat for a lot of people. And sometimes I look back and I'm like, wow, that baby was small. And there was also a toddler and there was also, you know, like a six, seven year old. And I was just left for many hours for bedtime. And I was maybe 14. And I don't know how the hell I did it when I look back now. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty incredible that I used to take care of families and take care of little ones and babysit like I did. And so I have, I got experience. I also am the second. So out of my family, my mom is one of four and she has three brothers. She's the oldest. And so my sister and I, we are 13 years apart. And so I have two nieces and my nieces are, goodness, they're closer in age to me. My oldest niece is closer in age to me than my sister is. So my mom had my sister when she was 19 and then she had me when she was 32. And my oldest niece, I think, is 23 right now. And my younger niece is 18 and just graduated high school. So, you know, I was in high school whenever they were born, middle school, high school. And so when it comes to the cousins, you know, my sister and I are the two oldest. And then we have many cousins that are after us, mostly women, mostly girls, um, and then a couple of boys sprinkled in there, but we are some of the, we are the older two cousins. And so I spent a lot of time as a, a young woman and as an, a young adult with kids. Now I started traveling and, and you know what, I, I think I always thought that I was going to be a mom because at the beginning, you know, like going through life as a young woman in South Louisiana. I just assumed that that was going to be my path. I was going to find the right guy and I was going to go to college and I was going to have the American dream and I was going to play on my cards right. And then I was going to have a family. And I assumed that I was going to do that just based off of what I understood life to entail, not because I felt a true calling to it at that time. And so when I finished college and started traveling extensively and lived and worked on cruise ships and had a really, I I navigated a really challenging relationship and breakup in my early to mid twenties. And, you know, just after that, I decided pretty early on in that relationship, I I made a decision for myself that I wasn't going to have kids and that I didn't want to be a mother. And, um, and I continue to say that and in some ways believe that for years. I even told my my mom and my family that I was not going to have children and told my mom not to pressure me or anything like that and told her to just really enjoy my nieces because I wasn't going to go that, that wasn't going to be my path. And so, you know, (laughs) I carried on with life. I left cruise ships and started working for myself, blogging, writing, podcasting, coaching, sex, love relationships. And I just continued to tell that story to myself and to the world that I was a strong, liberated woman building her business and that I was interested in exploring sexually and exploring you know, what I could do with my life. And I even wrote several times about the fact that I didn't want to have children and how people, when I would say that, would say some really interesting things back to me. You know, oftentimes I would have people say, oh, you just haven't met the right guy yet. And at that time in my life, I would get so frustrated when I heard that because it felt like they were just totally dismissing what I was saying. And at the time, you know, the the little feisty, feistier version of me was like, fuck you, you don't know me. And so I look back at that time and and I kind of laugh at myself and the whole situation. 
and I definitely hold her in a lot of grace and compassion. And, um, but anyway, so I continued my life's journey and eventually where personal development and personal growth led me was two things changed this for me. I got into a relationship with someone that was supposed to be just for fun. I got into a relationship with this person. Um, we lived in two completely different places. He was in New York. I was in New Orleans, but also still traveling around a lot. And it was very clear, like, I don't want more from you than you're willing to give. You don't want more from me than I'm willing to give. And we're going to have, you know, we're going to have fun when we are in town with each other and see each other. And I had one of those instances where I was completely and totally caught off guard by essentially falling in love. I wanted towards the end of our relationship, we spoke almost every day. We'd built a strong sexual connection. Yeah. It just completely caught me off guard because any other relationship and agreement that I'd had with other people in this regard, it just didn't unfold like this. We really trusted each other, confided in each other. And I had a few holy shit moments where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm catching feelings and I don't know what to do about this. And when that relationship ended, you know, it got to that critical moment where I could have just kept pushing off having the what are we conversation for fear of the relationship ending, but it was going to end in some way, shape or form anyway. And so I was actually in New York for um, an event or an experience that was around New Year's. And so it was kind of fucked up because I also got like, uh, it was like the blizzard in New York year and it was really crazy. And I got, uh, I had to wait for this like blizzard typhoon. I don't even know. I don't remember what, what it was called, but it was crazy and I couldn't even leave. And so I was stuck there, heartbroken, crying my face off and like snowed in, iced in uh, before I could actually even leave New York. But that wound up ending in, and it, it crushed me. It completely, like I said, caught me off guard and I like didn't know what to do with myself. And I, it was almost like I just, the reaction to it, the grief that I felt, the like heartbreak that I felt, it almost didn't make sense. Like it was almost out of proportion to like what the situation really called for. And as time progressed, what felt like what was happening was that this was a little bit of a lead domino. I had a lot of grief that was being stored in my body. I had a lot of anger that was not processed. And I had a ton of sadness that was just in my system from so much, so many things that had happened prior to this relationship. And this relationship really just in some ways softened me up. And when it, it was like the last straw and then it would just open the floodgates. And I had all this stuff to process afterwards. What also happened that was a pivotal moment in this time in my life was that I did my first DMT experience, 5-MeO-DMT, which is poison from the back of a frog. It's a psychedelic and you smoke it. And I know that that sounds so dangerous. <laughs> Where my mom hears some of these stories and she's just like holding her breath, like, oh my gosh, are you serious? And, but anyway, the trip of sorts is very quick compared to other psychedelics, but it's very blast off, really intense, but for a shorter length of time. So like you smoke 5-MeO-DMT and, you know, blast off into the cosmos, into the universe, into the beyond for like, I don't know, 10 to 30 minutes you know, 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes. And I could be wrong on these, on this timing, but you've got to come up and then you've got to come down. So in total, like, I think like a whole process from up to fully down is less than an hour. 
when if you go drink ayahuasca in the jungle or in some shaman's living room, you know, in Austin or Brooklyn or Los Angeles, you're going to be in it for potentially 10 plus hours. So different types of psychedelics and different types of experiences. But anyway, I had this experience and it was not good. And I know some people that have amazing DMT experiences. I have a not great story. Jordan has a not great story. I've since done other versions or variations of DMT that were not like that at all. But that one, it was almost like it was nothing like anybody else described their experiences. It was almost painful. I went in, um, I, I worked with, you know, the facilitator who was someone that I really trusted. I was in Jamaica. I was with the person, like I was at a big event, but the person that I had had this relationship with happened to be there as well. And, you know, I go in to, for the facilitator and I flip a card, you know, I pull a card at the beginning as we're dropping in, prepping to, you know, do the medicine in air quotes. And the card that I pull is yin. So to me, I'm like, oh, I'm so ready for this. I, cause I had this agreement with myself that I wasn't going to do DMT unless it found me. And it very much fell into my lap um, at this event, this bigger event that I was at. And so I was like, wow, I do feel very yin. I feel really ready. I feel really open. I feel really surrendered. Um, I'm going to do this thing. And then I, I smoked the toad and felt like my system was fighting it. Felt like, I felt like it was trying to maybe you know, kind of take over my mind and take over my body in some ways. And the only thing that I could do was kind of writhe on the floor and kind of pull at the nape of my neck and run my hands through my hair as if I were almost trying to take it out of my head. And visually, I didn't really see much, but I did imagine I kept like, I kind of tried to bring something into consciousness and it just kept turning to ash. Like everything just turned to ash. Like everything was just burning to the ground you know, it was just like falling apart. And I was in this weird writhing contracted space until it was gone. And then afterwards I was just crying. And then I wound up with a like seized muscles in my neck. So this was towards the beginning of a bigger event that I was at. And so for two more days, I was just a crying, weeping, my neck spasming, uncomfortable mess. And so there I was thinking that yin was like, oh, I'm so ready to receive all this, whatever the message is from the universe. When in reality, like I went in very strong. I went in very sure in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm soft and ready. But if I really look at that time in my life, I was running my show and, you know, I was leading and developing my business. And I was not in a lot of ways very yin. I historically in my, in my life, in my being and in my personality and everything have run a lot of yang um, or yang energy, which is a little bit more masculine or is masculine. So anyway, it did throw me into a very yin space where I was just inexplicable emotion. It wasn't for anything. I was just finding myself crying and weeping and didn't really know how to process what happened. And it was really hard. And so this happened within the same like little amount of time that, you know, the relationship wound up shifting and changing. So I had the DMT experience in November and then wound up having that relationship. And we had seen each other several times. Everything was great. And then I actually wound up having that relationship end and, you know, at the beginning of the new year. And so there I was processing. I was processing a lot. And some of what came from that window of time was that I'd been lying to myself. 
that I was trying to start relationships and keep people at arm's length because I was afraid of letting someone love me and getting hurt again. I was afraid of giving my heart to someone that wasn't really worthy of my love or deserving of my love or my companionship or partnership. I was afraid. And so I was holding people and choosing relationship dynamics and styles where people could only get so close to me. And at that time, I was also coming to terms with, you know, the truth that was kind of bubbling up on the surface, which was, I am ready for love and I'm ready for a deeper, truer, more real love than what I'd experienced prior. And that was very vulnerable. And then also what came out of that was, I think I do want children. And it was such a question and such an affront to my identity at the time that I had a really hard time at reconciling it all. And so this all just came to the surface. Stuff about, you know, abandonment stuff with my biological father came up, which is no surprise. It comes up when stuff is just really particularly emotional. It came up with, you know, stuff that was coming up was like my relationship to like, you know, my fear around what being a mom would look like to me or feel like to me and fear of failure, feeling like I couldn't keep my relationship going strong and that I would have to do it alone. That I would make the same, you know, in air quotes here, mistakes that my mom made. And I just didn't want to do it. And so I realized that I was choosing not to have a family and choosing not to have a certain type of love in my life purely based off of fear. And that realization was really hard and it wasn't okay with me. So then I, I had to take some time there and reconcile what do I actually want for my life? And um, as many of you know, the story goes. So at the beginning of January, you know, New Year's, that New Year's Eve, that's when the one relationship ended. So I started journaling and writing and um, and even being public in some ways. I was recording for my first podcast at the time and just getting settling into the fact that I have some heavy unprocessed emotions that I need to work through and some realizations regarding what I actually want for my life. And so I was writing about it and sharing about it, coming to terms with it. I was open about heartbreak, all these things. And I think I got the very first message from Jordan about mid-January. And then we actually met in person at the beginning of February. So it was a lot. I had a lot of simultaneous emotions and I couldn't believe that So I was having these conversations with God, conversations with spirit in my journal, pouring my heart out, conversations with trusted mentors and and people that, you know, were in my life at the time. And I was like, I think I've just been lying to myself. And then I made this promise and commitment to myself that I was going to now lead with my heart open, actually open it up for the things that I, I truly do want. And I want a deep, everlasting love. And I, I want a family. I want to become a mom. And I could get emotional just saying that because I can't believe like it's actually happening. I was 29 when Jordan and I met. He was 29 as well. He was about to turn 30. And, you know, I'm not going to tell like the whole, whole story, but, you know, Jordan and I got together and we've basically been together ever since. And it's a wild manifestation how it works, you know, when you get in alignment and you get clear on what your true desires are and you focus and work on being an energetic match for that. And when Jordan and I first got together, I shared with him, Hey, like my heart is open and I want to meet you and I want to get to know you. And I want you to know that I'm still grieving. So, you know, for anyone that like, hears a story and is like, Oh wow, you moved on fast. I did. And I was very upfront with 
the new budding romance that I was still grieving and processing. And so Jordan has basically always known me to be a person that has a lot of emotional range and is oftentimes experiencing two complete opposite ends of the spectrum emotions occasionally at the same time, oftentimes at the same time, any given day. You know, it's how I am built, I think, in a lot of ways. So that's like my origin story of of like what I had to go through in order to even be okay with the idea of being a mom and having a family into the future. So Jordan and I get together and we're very upfront and clear. We both want the same things. Are you someone who loves to talk about, learn about, and explore the world of sex? Perhaps you're even that friend who everyone comes to for intimate advice and guidance. If this sounds like you, I have a question for you. Have you ever considered becoming a sex coach? More than a college degree, you need drive, desire, and a deep passion for truly helping others. As you may know, not only am I a sex, love, dating, and relationship coach, but I also teach other coaches this niche craft. The Sex and Love Coach team and I have now taught over 100 coaches how to do this work and how to run successful coaching businesses. Sex and Love University is a year-long journey starting September 5th, 2023, and it includes three trimesters focusing on sex education and personal development, coaching skills and tools, and business, sales, marketing, branding, etc. Over the course of a year, you will get to step into your own personal development work on a deeper level build community with like-minded women, develop your skills as a coach, discover your own niche and how to monetize it while building the confidence to make this your thriving new career. If you've ever thought about it, dreamed about it, or wondered if this is even possible, go ahead and take a closer look at the show notes and find out more about Sex and Love University today. And so we decide to start our relationship and, and know that from the very beginning, we're working towards marriage and eventually a family. And so kind of fast forward a few years, you know, lived in New Orleans and then made our way to Austin and Austin eventually getting to the place of, okay, we're going to get engaged and we're going to get married. And before we got engaged, um, I ran through the timeline with Jordan. I was like, Hey, you know, we met at 29 and we're 33 now. And so if we get married, like if we get engaged at 30, well, I don't know if we were 32 or 33, but if we're engaged at 32 or 33 and we stay engaged for a year and then we want to be married for a year and then we want to start trying for baby, we're potentially 35 or older. And that's where I cross over. And I know that it doesn't, it's not that big of a deal, but it is a thing. That's where I personally cross over into advanced maternal age if that's when I'm going to be having a baby. Not only that, if we want more than one, we don't know how long it's going to take us. We've never tried to do this before. We don't know how long it's going to take us to actually get pregnant. And then there's the gestation of nine, 10 months. And then if we want more than one, then we've got to do that multiple times. And I just don't have that much time, you know, depending on how much space we have between babies. And it was one of the first times that like I laid out the timeline like that to him where he was like, oh shit, yeah. So got engaged. We did everything in the order that that we wanted to. Got engaged, got then a year later, got married. And then almost a year later, um, we actually got pregnant and also miscarried in the same month. So got pregnant and then miscarried 
I'm pretty sure that I was in the process of miscarrying. Yeah, I was while we were celebrating our one year wedding anniversary. And so, of course, I've told that whole story in another podcast that y'all can listen to. But so after that, you know, we started trying again and got pregnant in March. And now fast forward to here and I'm just about 19 weeks pregnant and we know that we're having a little boy. Now, throughout my life, even before, even when I was in the window of time where I was strong, feminist oriented, liberated Lex and I wasn't going to have children, I would still dream about a little boy. I've been dreaming about a little boy for a long time, the spirit of a little boy. I have dreams where I'm holding his hand and we're walking down like a sandy kind of path and there's trees around us and he can't be more than maybe three, maybe four. And he has like kind of dirty blondish hair and I just see me from the back and I see the little boy from the back and that's probably the first early images that I'd seen. And for a long time, I was like, this doesn't really make sense. I think I'm fabricating or manufacturing this in my mind. I don't know what this is. And then I've kind of always felt like if I were going to be a mom, if I was going to have a baby, it was going to be a boy. At least the first one was going to be a boy. And this kind of leads to, you know, I'd always kind of had that kind of floating in the background. And I'd even had some names that I was interested in, you know, that kind of stuck with me through the years. And one day, my girlfriends and I, um, actually one, maybe two of the girlfriends, no, just one, I think might've been pregnant. We were all at the pregnant friend's house. Um, and there were several of, of us women, of us girlfriends that were all there for a day to take mushrooms. And so mushrooms are usually like maybe four hours on the high end, six hour experience. At that point, I'd only ever taken a gram, uh, which is like kind of an initial entry level dose, I'd say for a lot of people. And so on this particular day, one of my girlfriends and I took a gram and a half and pretty much everybody else took like maybe a half gram or one gram. And so we were the ones that took more than anybody else. And I fully blasted off and was like staring at the sky and fractals and images. And, um, and it was so like, so wild. If you've taken mushrooms, then you know what I'm talking about. And this is a gram and a half experience. And so I was just like with my friends, but then I was also like very much having my own internal experience. And at one point I went out further back in the yard and climbed onto the trampoline and laid on just flat on the trampoline. And I was laying flat on the trampoline and I was looking up at the sky and there were branches of the trees that were kind of around where the trampoline was that were kind of in my line of vision. And I was staring and I was breathing and I was, you know, feeling my feelings. And all of a sudden, a little tiny damselfly, which is like a little, it's like a tiny version of a dragonfly. And so this little tiny dragonfly, which I looked up later is actually a damselfly, kind of just comes into my line of vision and I look at it and I'm like, oh, wow, cool, a bug. And then this bug just kind of flits around and zips around just like a little damselfly does and then flies away. And I'm still staring up at the sky and then the damselfly comes back and it does its thing. And I'm like, you know, in my head, I'm, I'm kind of like laughing to myself because I'm like, oh. People, they converse with trees and bugs and wildlife. Am I having my first, like, I'm, you know, I'm having a moment with a bug and I'm like laughing to myself and I'm staring at this damselfly and then it flies away and then it comes back and it does this a handful of times where it just keeps coming back into my line of vision. 
And then eventually it comes back and I have this moment where I just go, do I know you? And immediately I was washed over. My whole body was washed over with just playful little boy energy, like warm, familiar little boy energy. And as I have this wave over me, I just go, oh, (laughs) you're him, the spirit of my unborn son. And I know it sounds crazy. And I know I was on a psychedelic substance. And anyone who's ever done a psychedelic substance like this will know how profound these kinds of experiences are. And they don't happen all the time. They're kind of few and far between. And so for me, this is by far the most profound psychedelic experience I've ever had was, is this story. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, and then I, I just start communicating with him in my mind and I just go, Hey, and he's just like, hi. And we have like our moment and we're kind of communicating a little like back and forth. And I don't know if I like asked him directly or how it came up, but I basically said something to the effect of when are you coming? And he said, whenever you're ready. And I remember him just saying like, whenever you're ready, mom. And I just start bawling, crying, 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 crying. Because at this point, like Jordan and I have been on the same page. We're not at the point of like this story in the psychedelic, you know, mushroom situation. Jordan and I are not even engaged at the time, but we know the direction of our life and we know the direction of our family and that it's going in this direction. And so I'm kind of settled in with it. And I'm just like, wow, I can't believe I'm having this experience. And I then I had this big, long, like flowy dress on and I just put my head underneath like the front portion of the dress and I just start sobbing. And what starts processing through me and my mind and my heart and my body is me affirming to myself, you are not going to make your mom's mistakes. You're going to be a great mom. You're not your mom. You're not her mom. You're you. And it was just this like very deep healing processing experience where I'm just like sobbing and snotting. And literally my friends are kind of strewed all over the yard. And some of them are even having a side conversation on the trampoline. And I'm just laying flat crying. And they're just like letting me have my experience. Nobody's saying anything to me. And I'm just like, holy fucking shit. Like I just met my son. I can't even believe this. And so, you know, I'm still high and I wobble my way back inside and I kind of get my shit together. And then I, I call Jordan and I'm just like, I have got to tell you. And I'm just sobbing through it. And he's like, that is so beautiful, baby. And so I sit with this experience for a while. Like it really, really moved me. And it still moves me to tell the story today. This was probably maybe within a couple of months I started engaging with my son and having little moments where I I would just like kind of feel into that spirit and feel into that energy from that day and say something to him or just like kind of connect in my own way, whether or not I got any feedback back or not. And one day I was in the bathtub and I was laying there and I just thought kind of to myself and out loud, little one, what's your name? And um, I didn't like get any like he didn't just tell me what his name was. Right. So I'm like trying to like feel into his energy. And in my mind, I just start kind of like going through names I've liked through the years. And I'm like thinking about a name, like I really liked Damien for a little while. And so I say the name Damien 
And it's like a no. And then I go, okay, well, there was a while where I really liked Aiden. And that's from like my high school days. I really liked that name. And so I get like a no, just get kind of a, a no vibe after that. And then I think I had a name that was like maybe Ashton and it was a no. And then I say the name Gabriel and there's almost like a pause and it's like a very soft feeling, like kind of tingling. And then I go back to, you know, and then I say another name and I move on to another name and then I get the feeling of no. And then I pause again. So I got this wave of like, okay, that's no. And then I go back to, is your name Gabriel? And then I get a flood of the same kind of sensation that I got when I first realized who the little bug was. And I went, oh, and I just start crying in the bathtub again, where I'm like, your name is Gabriel. And I'd liked that name before. And I had no idea why I liked that name before, because it just sounds kind of biblical. It is biblical, you know, archangel and didn't have any real connection to it. I wasn't sure why it was standing out like that. Then I said it again and I was like, oh, your name is Gabriel. And then I'm like, hi, Gabriel. And I start crying again, just like even thinking about it. And so afterwards, you know, kind of get my shit together again and get out of the bathtub. And then eventually, I don't know if it was the same day or within a couple of days, I went to Jordan. And I said, do you remember the spirit that I connected with, you know, future baby boy? And he said, yes. And I said, I think I know his name. And he said, what is it? I said, I think his name is Gabriel. And Jordan just said, oh, I love that. That's a great name. And so I kind of played around with, I wonder what his middle name would be and um, ran through a couple of options, but pretty quickly. um, And probably the first thing that I said was Vincent, which is my grandfather's name, my mother's father's name, his first name. And he was one of the only father figures in my life from when I was a child. And he was an amazing soul and just such a joy. And I know and had such a playful, silly sense of humor. And in a lot of ways, Jordan is a lot like him, just goofy, playful. Everybody loves him or loved him. And he passed away when I was 16 or 17. I was in high school. And so then I, I said that and he's like, oh, that, I like the way that sounds. And so then I said his name together. Said Gabriel Vincent. And Jordan responded, Gabriel Vincent Bowditch. And I was like, that's his name. And so we've known, we've known little boy's name since before we were even married. And when when I miscarried at the end of 2022, I believed that that was Gabriel too. I had this feeling that he was, you know, I was telling him that I was ready. And I, there was still some things that I had to move through before I actually was ready to receive him and to hold him and carry him. And the process that I went through and the grief and everything that I went through after miscarriage and having to let go of so much, I think that was him kind of giving me a test run. And it was big. And so when, you know, we got, when I got the positive pregnancy test again, I was like, this is actually him. And I knew it. I was like, this is our little boy. And I also tried not to like assume too much just in case everything that I'd experienced was totally fucking wrong. <laughs> and I was, and I'm just like spiritually full of shit, <laughs> you know, where I'm just like, maybe I'm wrong, you know? And then I was like, if we go to do this gender reveal and the confetti's pink, 
this is going to be the greatest shock of my life because so much of my life has shown me that I'm going, I'm going to have a little boy, at least a little boy first. And since then, you know, I I have these feelings that our little boy and Gabriel is first, but I have a feeling that we have at least two children in our future, potentially three, which is so wild to say, to go from, I'm not going to do this mother thing, family thing to, I think we might have three one day is so insane to me. So when we did the gender reveal and we saw the blue confetti come out, our friends all knew his name and everything already. And I told my mom the story about Gabriel Vincent and, um, and she cried and all of that, like way before we even found out about the, you know, found out about being pregnant, like probably when we were engaged, maybe even I told her that story, maybe even before. So when she was on the phone on FaceTime when the blue confetti came out of our, you know, for our original gender reveal and she's crying and, you know, we're like, it's a boy. I'm on FaceTime with her and she goes, so is this Gabriel? Are we going to have a Gabriel? And I was like, yeah, I think so. And so, you know, my family, my friends have all known what his name is and have heard about his spirit in a lot of ways have, I would say, welcomed him into our family and into our community before there was even like a physical presence or physical representation of him. So that is the whole story um, as far as his name and then my journey through that, that whole process of like, you know, finding my way to wanting to become a mom, which I've probably told portions of that story on other podcasts, but this is it in one full through line. And, you know, we weren't going to keep his name a secret, but we did keep it to ourselves for a while. And um, now it feels good to share it with all of you. And y'all know that I'm a crier. <laughs> I have been pretty much my whole life at this point in time. Um, just about 19 weeks pregnant. I, you know, my first trimester wasn't particularly teary. I was just physically in it with like the nausea and the hunger and the tiredness and fatigue and irritability and all those things. But I wasn't particularly like emotional on edge. Sure. Not particularly emotional shift into second trimester. And a lot of those physical sensations, the original physical sensations have dissipated. And now I'm more in different physical sensation, like my body's actually growing and stretching and my boobs are like two or three sizes larger. My belly is definitely bigger and more protruded round ligament pain. So the ligaments on either side of my hips are painful at night. And so I'm, you know, I've got my first round of stretch marks happening. And so I'm itchy, I'm not sleeping well, I'm peeing constantly. Like I've got other stuff that's going on and I'm like, wow, this like this pregnancy thing is is not for the faint of heart. Like this is actually kind of fucked up, (laughs) like discomfort, you know, it is uncomfortable. So much of it is uncomfortable. And I'm like, what a rite of passage. So I would say over the last maybe couple of weeks or so, I've been back to just crying at everything. So like I had a feeling I might cry during this podcast, but like I cried like three times already so far. And that's like maybe a little bit over the top for me. So just throwing out there that I'm also in a window of like, I'm just like a little bit teary and weepy and crying over so much. And I'll share just, you know, what I mentioned at the beginning, you know, of, of, you know, the stories that I was going to tell and leading into like how I'm doing right now. I thought that if I waited until this time in my life that I would process being pregnant and doing this transition, I thought I'd process it a little bit differently. And I don't know why I thought that. 
you know, cause I know myself pretty well at this point, but I thought that I was gonna, you know, I thought to myself, like if I, you know, in a sense, I'll just say like, I, I do feel really ready to do this. This is as good a time as any. And I did wait until my mid thirties. I traveled extensively. I've met a lot of people. I've been a lot of places. I've done a lot of exploring. I've done everything from corporate jobs to service-based jobs to um, now being an entrepreneur and running a business and having team members and employees and all those things. And I've moved locations and I've, I've lived a lot of life, like a lot, a lot of life. Um, one of the biggest things is I, I've been to over 30% of the world and I've visited over 30% of the world before I turned 30, before I met Jordan. And so I feel like I've done a lot and I've been on a lot of adventures and I've seen and experienced so much in such a short length of time. And when I think about becoming a mom or I think about starting my family and being pregnant and all that, I'm like, this is the next adventure. This is the adventure I haven't done yet that I haven't embarked on. And I'm really at peace with my transition into this is the next grand adventure for me. And I also thought that, oh, I'm so surrendered, right? I'm so surrendered to kind of like going to that DMT trip. I'm so surrendered to like, my body's going to change and I'm okay with that. I feel confident that I'm going to, you know, I'll go through pregnancies and I'll take care of myself on the back on, you know, when they're done and I'll, it's going to be okay. You know, like that fear of losing youth and losing, you know, body, you know, shape and structure and all those things. And like the, you know, the long list of things that a person loses. Of course, I understand that there's an even longer list of gains, but like, this is a ton of hard shit and it comes with so much processing. And so I thought I was just going to be like, oh yeah, this is cool. I'm surrendered to it. I know my body's going to do these things. And then it actually went to do it. And I was like, what the fuck? You know? And I know everybody's different and people are going to gain the weight that they're going to gain and babies and women are going to just like carry how they're going to carry. And I am already up somewhere between 20 and 22 pounds and I'm not even 20 weeks yet. So I'm looking to potentially gain like 40 to 50 pounds, which is normal. And I just don't know why I thought I would just be like so much more surrendered to this process, but like I'm carrying the weight everywhere. It's in my face. It's in my arms. It's in my hips. It's in my belly. It's in my toes. It is in my eyelids. It is everywhere. And you know, and I hear people go, oh, the wives tales say you should be carrying a girl because the weight's everywhere versus carrying a boy where the weight's all in the belly. Or I'm like, that doesn't feel good to hear. There's so much that doesn't necessarily feel good to hear. Recently on Instagram, someone shared with me that I looked like, or no, she asked if, if I was sure I wasn't carrying twins. That's a big belly. And I go, it is a normal size, one single baby boy and a curvy mom that is carrying like her mom carrying like probably her mom before her and her sister. So this is going to be what it's going to be. And it's actually just caused a lot of self-consciousness for my, for myself. I've been challenged a lot in my relationship with Jordan, just not feeling myself and then going through so many weeks of not feeling good, not wanting to be touched, just like every and all the tools, all of the relationship tools that I know that we know that keep us together and keep us in intimacy and keep us close together. I'm just like fucked off at it all, like not available. And it just makes then I've got my connection with myself. That's very weird and like uncomfortable. And then there's my relationship with Jordan. That's feeling weird and uncomfortable and like it's not being tended to. And, and i just feel all this pressure, you know, make the baby, build it, literally construct it and still be 
the leader of our business and still be coach and show up for my clients and run a retreat, um, two retreats since I've been pregnant. And I'm just, it's times when I'm just like, this is so much. And I, and I like look in the mirror and I'm like, don't recognize myself. And I'm like, whoa, holy shit. This is not shaking out the way that I thought that it was going to shake out. I don't know why I thought that this was just going to be like, I didn't think it was going to be easy, but the things that are hard, I wasn't like, I didn't know that those were the things that were going to be hard. So, um, I find myself in my second trimester also in, um, a community of women that, you know, I love so dearly and I'm so close with, and I'm so appreciative of, and my female connections and friendships are just, they've transformed me and changed my life in so many incredible ways. And I think I'm, I'm as ready as I could be to go down this path because of them in a lot of ways. And, you know, I'm pregnant alongside one of my closest friends who is just like, it's hard for her too, but the way that she's processing it is so different to me. And so I have a a hard time at times not comparing myself, which prior to pregnancy, I didn't have a hard time not comparing myself to people in my industry or people just in general, women in general. I didn't have a a hard time just looking at other women and going like, you're beautiful and you're doing the best that you can and go ahead, girl, and I'm your cheerleader and feeling no comparison, like subtle comparison rather, but this is different and it's just all new. And, you know, I share any level of this with other moms and they're like, just buckle in because it's just kind of this for the rest of your life. Maybe. So I'm, I'm in this like liminal space where I'm so excited and I, and I do feel some shame about feeling so conflicted about how I feel when all I really want to feel is excited and joy filled and honored. And, you know, I want my system to be calm and relaxed as I build, you know, baby's nervous system and he can hear me now. And I don't want him to just hear me cry. I want him to hear me sing and laugh and I want him to feel me dance and all those things. And, and so I'm like in this, like, you know, in the weird space of like, who am I and cultivating as much grace as I possibly can for myself. And knowing that I'm like leaps and bounds ahead of a lot of people that jump in to this, or maybe let's just say pool, but that decide to go on this journey. You know, I have so many tools. I have community. I have support. I have connection. I have people that support me. I I have incredible self-awareness. There's there's so much about me where I'm like, wow, I've worked a really long time to get to a place where I want to do this. And I'm in that space of like just reassuring myself, like you've got this and you're okay and you can do hard things. I can do hard things. And like even in the midst of it, it's also fucking beautiful. We're making a life. I'm making a human. It's such a trip. And, you know, I'm witnessing Jordan have his process and what all this means to him and him wanting to be a better and more present father than he had because he also had his father and his mother split when he was three and then he moved to a different state. So, you know, both of us are trying to do something different than what we were given. And it's hard. It's hard to do it differently when we didn't have it modeled for us, but we're committed. And so it's leading us to have different, harder conversations about how we want to show up for each other and how we want to be in relationship with each other and how we want to look at intimacy in this current season. And it's hard and it's really beautiful. 
And this is helping, you know, this time here is forging us into the parents that we ultimately desire to be. And so that's my story um, and a little update. And, you know, I'm sure that in a couple of months, I'll give you another update and what the third trimester is starting off like and how I feel going into third. But here, here I am in this kind of in between. I'm in a tunnel for sure. I can see the light, but I'm definitely in a tunnel. And even though it's hard and even though I'm like challenged by it, I'm so fucking grateful that this little boy chose us, that he chose me and that he's, he's in there. Um, I'm just starting to feel him move around. I have an anterior placenta, so it's at the front. And so I, I don't feel his movements in the middle, but I feel a little this or a little that on either side, left side, right side. And, you know, we, we went to his anatomy scan just about a week or so ago. Mom came into town for it and little nugget is definitely a boy <laughs> and everything looks good. And we're so excited to, to be his parents. And, um, yeah, just so, so, so grateful. And I have every day that goes by so much admiration and respect for every parent out there and the process that you had to go through in order to have your incredible family exist in the world. So before I start sobbing again, um, I'm going to make that the end of my first solo episode in a very long time. Um, My hope is that me sharing my story in some ways just helps to comfort you in some way or entertain you and others. For some of you, help you feel not so alone, you know, especially those that are dealing with pregnancy after loss. You know, I told myself that if I, you know, when I get pregnant after this deep grief and this loss, when I get pregnant, I'm going to be grateful for every single second, even the hard stuff. And so I'm processing the fact that I'm not so happy all the time and feeling a little bit of shame about that. And so, you know, you're not alone. We're not alone in this. This is hard and it is quite possibly the most exceptional, purposeful thing that we can do. Raising, bringing um, humans into the world and raising them in a particular way. And so um, I'm also so grateful to all of you for being here. Um, The messages that I receive in Instagram, the email response, TikTok, Facebook, and our group, you know, I just love having you in my corner and having you as a part of, you know, mine and Jordan's support squad. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being in our world and, um, and sticking with us. I love you so dearly. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe. So you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.